Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. Wisdom is the subject you've chosen for this week's programmes, Colin. Yes, what an important subject and one I think that is often uh, ignored by Christians. We're going to begin in the book of Proverbs. Now, much is said about wisdom, especially in the first eight chapters of that book. The significant thing is that Wisdom becomes personified. God speaks of himself as being wisdom. And then uh, later, wisdom is spoken of uh, in the feminine as if, uh, you know, the bride of Christ has to become wise. Uh, it, it's, it's a very interesting um, thing to do, to trace all that is said about wisdom in those eight chapters. Well, we can't do that within the scope of this program, but we can actually get the essence of what God says when he speaks of himself as wisdom. And uh, in chapter 8, verse um, 17, we read this, I love those who love me. Now, this is God speaking of himself as wisdom. So I, wisdom, love those who love me, wisdom. And those who seek me, seek that wisdom, find me. And then the Lord makes this wonderful promise. With me, that is with wisdom, are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. So you could say that that uh, the Lord is indicating that from wisdom there come riches and honor in this life and then enduring wealth, that which is eternal. Uh, enduring wealth and prosperity, that which outlasts us in our present um, uh, lives. So to seek wisdom to love wisdom is to love God and to seek the plan and purposes of God. Now, having looked at that verse, we're going to go back to the first chapter of Proverbs and just trace through uh, how it is that we come to that sort of climax of revelation. And the book of Proverbs begins in this way, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline. Now, that's interesting because it means that wisdom and discipline go together. Uh, for understanding words of insight. So wisdom brings discipline into our lives. It also brings revelation, understanding, uh, so what is the result of that? Well, in verse 3 we read, For acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair. So the life of wisdom leads to a disciplined life, 
a prudent life, but it also enables us to walk in righteousness, justice, and fairness. Now, let me explain something because this will help us to understand what this subject of wisdom is all about. In Scripture, sin is foolishness. It's not only to go against the will of God, but it is foolish to go against the will of God. Uh, obedience is wise because obedience enables us to walk in righteousness. And we're going to see in the later days this week that there is a lot of connection in the book of Proverbs and elsewhere in the New Testament between wisdom and righteousness. The wise will walk in right relationship with God. Uh, the wise will therefore do whatever is necessary to promote a right relationship with God in their lives. And they will resist the foolishness of sin. Now, you see, every day of our lives, we are presented with a series of decisions, either to do the will of God or to go against the will of God, either to do what he wants or to do what we want, either to obey his word or to disobey his word, either to take notice of what he says or, in fact, to ignore what he says. And, of course, these decisions have very practical ramifications in our lives. They affect our relationships. They affect uh, the way in which we speak and think and act. So um, it's very important that we have hearts that are set upon wisdom. In other words, set upon pleasing God and that we do not live in the foolishness of sin. You see, when people make a choice to do something that is wrong, they're making a foolish decision. Now, let me just give you a few examples. Um, Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged. So if you choose to judge someone, you're going against the word of God, therefore against the will of God, you're making a foolish decision. So in judging that person, you are acting like a fool, not like a wise person. Um, Jesus says, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. And he taught the parable of the unmerciful servant, in which he makes it clear that God is so merciful to us, we must be merciful to others, we must therefore forgive them. Because if we are unmerciful to others, God will be unmerciful to us. If we do not forgive those who sin against us, God will not forgive us our sins. So to withhold your forgiveness from someone is foolishness. It is unrighteous. It is against the word of God, against the will of God. But it is foolishness. Because, you see, if Jesus died on the cross to save us from judgment... And then we put ourselves back under judgment because we judge others. That's foolish. If God is so merciful to us that he sent his son to die in order that we might be completely forgiven and restored to fellowship with God, 
But if we then refuse to be merciful to others so that we can no longer avail ourselves of the mercy of God, that is foolishness. And you see, a lot of people don't, even even born-again Christians don't think like this. They don't they know sin is wrong, but they, they fail to realize it's absolutely foolish that what you're doing is undermining your relationship with God. You're actually undermining your prayer life and what you're asking God to do. Um, you know, you may want healing from God, uh, and in these verses that we shall be looking at later in the week, uh, we shall see how wisdom uh, affects our health and, and uh, how when we want healing, we need to be wise. Uh, because why should God answer our prayers? Because all healing really is a work of his mercy. You know, many people that came to Jesus to be healed said, have mercy upon me. Uh, so why should we expect God to be merciful to us and heal us if we're not being merciful to others? You see, that foolishness of withholding forgiveness from others undermines our prayer. Why should God provide for us even though he wants to and, and even though he tells us to have faith for that provision? Uh, but why should he provide if actually we are walking in foolishness? Because we're walking in sin, we're ignoring his word, we're not putting his word into practice. So uh, this whole business of wisdom has a whole lot of very practical ramifications in our lives. Interesting as well that it was Solomon who wrote these proverbs and he, he prayed, he asked God for wisdom and that pleased God, didn't it? Yes, and during the early part of his reign, he was a man of great wisdom. Sadly, just like Saul lost it, so did Solomon. How do we know uh, Solomon lost his wisdom? Well, he had 700 wives. Now, anybody that's got 700 wives has certainly deserted wisdom. Uh, he, he got right out of the will of God, right out of the purpose of God. And, uh, I mean, that's something for us to take note of because, you see, it's possible for us to walk with the Lord, even to walk closely with the Lord, to live in wisdom, and then we can lose it. And what causes people to lose that uh, sense of closeness and identity with the Lord uh, is the fact that they want to please themselves rather than continue in the wisdom of of, of uh, pleasing God. So if you like, the, the enemy all the time wants to try to seduce people back into foolishness. So right here at the beginning of Proverbs, it um, places wisdom and understanding together. So we need, you see, to understand why it is so important to be wise and the devastating effect it can have on our lives, on our families, on even on our churches if we choose to walk in foolishness instead. So let us do exactly what that first verse of Scripture that we read, let us seek God as our wisdom. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 